You're listening to the Rising Lava Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Pace, a mom and behavior coach here to help you understand and support your kids' big emotions and big behaviors. All right, today we're going to talk about anxiety. Anxiety is something that 100% of people experience, even if they say that they are not an anxious person that is okay. You do not have to have an anxiety disorder to experience the feeling of anxiousness. Anxiety or worry, it's this feeling that comes up before a big presentation, um, when our kid gets too close to the pool and is about to fall in and we (gasps) grab them. Okay. That's anxiety. It comes up for everyone. You do not have to have you know, a diagnosis or a medication or postpartum anxiety to have felt this emotion. So if you do not have one of those disorders, if you're one of the lucky ones, then this episode will still apply to you because you feel the feelings of anxiety. And as parents, we are aware that our kids will also feel these feelings of anxiety. So I'm going to jump in with a story that I actually shared in season one, but it's been a while and I don't know if I did it justice, so I'm going to share it again. And then I'm going to talk about my kids' experiences with anxiety and how we have dealt with them um, and also some strategies that a lot of parents typically use that actually make the anxiety more intense and okay, so we'll jump right in. Okay, so when I was a child in second grade, I stopped riding the bus home from school. And my parents had four kids at the time, so me and my twin, and then three years younger there was a kid, and then two years under that there was a kid. So there was a lot of young kids. Um, My dad worked from home, and my mom was mostly just chasing kids around, okay? I'm not saying that she didn't work, because she absolutely did work as a stay-at-home mom of four, Um, but she wasn't you know, held down at a nine to five job. And so there was a little bit of flexibility in what I'm about to share next. (laughs) So every single day I loved school. I was the type of person I had friends. I like had a crush all the time. I was so excited to see my crush every day. I um, was teacher's pet. I was intelligent. I loved school. School was so much fun for me. But constantly at the end of the day, about 30 minutes before it was time to catch the bus and go home, I would get a tummy ache. And I legitimately probably did have a tummy ache. But more than anything, I knew that if I said I had a tummy ache and I had to go to the nurse and I said, oh, I'm going to throw up, then my mom and dad would come pick me up. What's so funny about this is this time of my life, I literally didn't throw up for like seven years. There's like a seven year gap that I didn't throw up. And this was one of those, you know, seven years. So like I knew I wasn't even going to throw up. I would just like have a stomach and I knew if I said the right thing, my mom and dad would come pick me up. Was I really sick all the time? No, I just told you I'm, I'm, I wasn't ever going to throw up. But stomach aches is a really big indicator of anxiety, anxious feelings, worried feelings show up sometimes as stomach aches. So I was anxious and it was really frustrating, I imagine, for my parents. Um, I was probably seven years old and while they loved me and continued to pick me up and care for me, I can imagine that it was a very frustrating time for them to get out of my range right home. Like they had a plan, the bus was taking me home, and then every single day maybe mom's grocery shopping, maybe mom's tending to another child, maybe it's nap time, and she'd have to stop what she was doing and come pick me up. And one time I remember our car was broken and, um, or maybe we had one car. I don't remember what the situation was, but my mom was up my, was with my sister at the doctor and they 
I, I, so if I called my parents and said I had a stomachache, if I went to the nurse and I had a stomachache and they couldn't pick me up, then sometimes I would like miss the bus on purpose or whatever. I don't know what I was doing. I was just trying to survive and I'll get to that in a minute. But my dad had to walk a mile and a half, so three miles round trip with a cold to come pick me up because my mom couldn't pick me up that day and they only had one car or whatever the situation was and so it was like bad it was it was an anxiety that wasn't just an anxious feeling that we deal with it was an anxiety that was debilitating to our family structure our family life our routines so they tried everything they took me to therapy um and I don't even think that I revealed the final reason of my spontaneous stomach aches for like years But what actually happened was I was very anxious because someone had thrown up on the bus, okay? And I had a phobia of puke. So long story about that. I'm not going to go into it. Um, I'm no longer phobic or whatever. I do no longer have a phobia of puke, but only because my children got a parasite in 2019 and then my daughter got a bowel obstruction. Like I've had a lot of exposure therapy where I've had to stay calm and regulated as a parent in the situation where I'm covered in puke and it's been a lot of healing work and it was really, really, really hard. But like as a preschool teacher, one of the first questions I would ask my assistant teacher is like, how do you do a throw up? Okay. Cause if a kid throws up, I'm out of here. Like I'm dead serious. I'm out. If a kid would throw up, I'd be sick the rest of the day and have to go home. Like I was so, 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 so phobic of puke. Okay. So anyways, I would go into extreme freeze panic. I would like rock myself. Like this was like in second grade, right? So I'd rock myself with my ears plugged and my nose plugged at the same time in fetal position. I'd be like holding my breath. And what happened is the kid in front of me in the very next seat in front of me, like, Okay, I'm picturing those green like school bus seats and they're so hot to touch when like it's a hot day and like all you have between you and the next kid is like this pleather nasty seat or whatever. Already stinks on the bus because it's just stinky and the kid freaking barfed in front of me. It was so traumatic for me and I was stuck because he was in front of me and we're on the bus and I can't get off until we get home, right? So it was like a really horrible situation. Very, very traumatic for me and probably exacerbated my puke phobia like times a million. So anyways, I can see how like as a parent, this would be really, really, really frustrating because, well, first of all, we want our kids to be happy. We want our kids to be okay separating from, from us and have a healthy enough attachment that it does not feel like torture when we have them ride the bus or when we have to leave them. Also, it's frustrating when our kids have anxiety and it's debilitating because we have our own needs that need to be met. Like in this situation, my mom had to do other things and I kept interrupting that with my anxious needs. So of course we want to, we want to, we have the desire to show up for our kids. But a lot of times when our kids are super, super anxious and it's debilitating to the family function, it is exhausting because then we aren't getting our needs met and then maybe we're not showing up for the anxiety the way we would actually want to. And so when anxiety stops us from living the life that we want to live or stops being able to have kids separate from parents or stops kids from going to school or making friends, then some intervention and support is needed to manage this big feeling. Again, everybody has feelings of anxiety, but when it stops us from living the life that we want to live or that you know, others around us are trying to live, then we need to, you know, manage this with some support. So anyways, obviously I've been facing this anxiety from a young age and I want to talk about three different strategies that parents might usually 
typically respond to when their kid is anxious. And I'm going to use my story about the the throw up um, to kind of explain those strategies so they make a lot of sense. Okay, so um, first of all, the kid who threw up, his name was Giovanni, and he he threw up right in front of me, whatever. So what my parents could have done is avoided the trigger. So if the problem is I won't ride the bus because someone threw up on the bus, then my parents could say, okay, you don't have to ride the bus anymore. Okay, so my parents could have easily been like, okay, don't ride the bus anymore. We'll just pick you up every day. But the problem with that is, number one, it strengthens the avoidance response, which makes the anxiety more intense. Plus, when it when it's time for a really fun field trip or something that requires bus transportation, then I... I'm not going to want to get on the bus. Okay, I'm going to want to avoid all buses because in response to my anxiety, we avoid. And so now we're just going to cut buses out of our life. You see how this is a problem when we avoid the trigger. Another strategy that parents might typically use when responding to their kid's anxiety, especially when it's like irrational, like you won't ride the bus, like it's just the bus, is force them into the thing that's triggering them. So my parents could have been like, you have to ride the bus, you'll be fine, it's only 30 minutes. But the problem with this, just forcing them on without any skills or tools or validation is it strengthens the anxiety because it's essentially letting them know that how you're feeling is irrational, it's not safe to feel this way. And when we say that to a child or when we express that with our actions to a child, the child doesn't just snap out of it when it's explained this way. Instead, the the child internalizes it. So, or, or the child just reacts to it. So the child could either internalize it and just feel like, okay, well, obviously this is a stupid fear. I'm just going to sit on the bus with this stupid fear and then start thinking these negative thoughts about themselves and internalize and then they have anxiety disorder and then they can't sleep at night. All of this can happen because their anxiety is not validated and it's just suppressed because it's not safe to feel that in this home. So I'm just going to suppress it. That's going to lead to more problems. Okay. The second thing this could happen if we force them into the trigger is external behaviors might come up because the anxiety is intensified. So then when we're forcing kids into something that they don't want to be a part of, they're either internalizing or externalizing behaviors that are happening. They might be shutting down or they might be, you know, kicking, screaming, hitting, running away, running home from the bus. All of these behaviors are the anxiety being intensified because it doesn't feel safe to feel these feelings and we're forcing them into the trigger. Okay, and then the third things that typically parents do, which is actually something that seems like it would be really productive in a situation where a child has anxiety, is create a specific plan about the trigger. So the problem with this is when parents focus so much on the content of the situation, so like in my case, Giovanni throwing up in the bus, they might say, I know this is really, really hard for you to ride the bus and, you know, that validation piece, but guess what? Giovanni will not throw up again. I promise, Giovanni, it it won't happen again. But then you send your kid on the bus and they trust their parent and what happens? Giovanni freaking throws up again. I'm not even joking you. This literally happened. Like not the part where, oh, Giovanni won't throw up again. The part where he did throw up again. So you go and trusting that adult and trusting that approach. And then once again, the anxiety is intensified. And if you don't trust that approach um, when your parent does it the next time. So like say you get stung by a wasp and your, your, your plan is to just avoid going outside ever again. 
or avoid any place with wasps, okay, that's going to intensify the anxiety because you do have to go outside eventually. And so then you're going to be in hyper panic mode. Number two, you can force them into the trigger. So you just force them into a field of wasps. Obviously, that's not going to work out or just force them outside without any any validation. And then they're just irrationally afraid of wasps and crying and hysterical the whole time because they don't feel safe. And then the third one is like, you will not get stung by a wasp again. There's no way. There's no wasp in this spot. And then a sneak attack from a wasp comes. They aren't going to trust you. Okay. So it's really, really, really difficult because you know, these are the strategies that we use and we're just trying to make their irrational fear rational. But all of these strategies are intensifying the anxiety. So what do we do as parents to help our kids? So a couple of things, I put together a course and what I'm doing in this course is first of all, explaining what anxiety is and what anxiety is even what the purpose of anxiety even is. So we learn how the body responds to worry. And what happens is our brain is triggered and our brain says, oh, there's danger. And then our and then our body takes over and our, our brain goes activate, fight or flight. The nervous system gets involved and we go into fight or flight or freeze. And so what's happening for our kids is, uh, you know, they're, they're triggered. They have something like they see a wasp and instead of thinking logically about this wasp, they sense danger and they go automatically into fight or flight mode. Okay. And so in my course, we're talking about what flight looks like, what flight looks like and what freeze looks like. And so you can know, oh, my child is actually in a triggered space. No wonder this logic isn't getting through to them. We're also going to learn about strategies to support your child through anxious feelings, which I'm going to talk about in a second with my swim example. And then the last thing is just like looking at the process of worry, not the content. So what I talked about before is like, oh no, Giovanni will not throw up again. You don't know that. You don't know that a wasp won't sing you again. You don't know that Giovanni won't throw up again. You don't know that I'm going to come back, I promise, because what if a car accident happens? Okay, so instead of creating this very specific plan and creating rules that define the situation, we want to look at the process of worry. So instead of creating this plan that this will never happen again, we look at the process and say, oh, honey, it looks like you're worried again. What do we do to come back to calm? And you practice those strategies and you work on those strategies and you talk about worry in a way that kids are prepared for when the feeling comes up and not for each exact situation that's mapped out exactly how it needs to be in order for it to happen. Because if it doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen out, anxiety will get worse. Okay, so that's in my anxiety course. And I am like pre-launching it until July 15th so you can get it for 50% off. And then after that, it'll be available for full price or in my membership. So check that out. But let me tell you how I used these strategies, because honestly, I don't remember what my parents did with my throw up situation. I do like using this example to show like the strategies and how it could have exacerbated the anxiety. I mean, obviously, I've gotten through my puke phobia. It only took me 20 years (laughs) or more. And I'll ride a bus. So, I mean, that's good news. I eventually got through it. And it's because my parents did not, my parents did not force me into anything and my parents did not avoid anything okay there was probably a little bit of plans about the trigger but mostly it was like that support taking me to therapy getting me tools to deal with my worry and also the validation piece was huge 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 but I don't I mean I was in second grade so I don't remember exactly what they did to get me through it so I'm gonna share because anxiety runs in my family apparently I'm gonna share what this looks like in my kids situation Okay, so last year, my daughter, 
had a very traumatic experience in swim lessons. And my daughter has always really loved the water, really enjoyed swimming. Like if she has her puddle jumper on, she could spend hours out there. She just feels so safe and free in the water. Okay, so she had just barely turned three and I took her to a swim lesson and the teacher had taken three kids out at the same time and they each had a noodle, but neither, it was the first day of swim lesson. So none of them knew how to swim. Um, she's in level one, like she's not comfortable putting her face in yet. She's just likes the water, but isn't, is it, I mean, she needed swim lessons so bad. Okay, and what happened is the teacher didn't realize, but my daughter had slipped out of her grip she had three kids and was behind her struggling to stay above the water and so she was like gulping water she's looking at me just like this terrified look in her eye and I had to I had my baby strapped to me and I had to get up and be like get her get her get her get her I was like in panic mode obviously I went into that fight flight mode because my I sense danger okay my daughter's drowning in the pool so obviously that's not helping my daughter's anxiety because she sees how scared I am so anyways it was a traumatic situation all around but um you know, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. I, I, I hesitate sharing this story because when I did share it the first time, I got a little backlash because people thought I was like out to get this teenager who dropped my kid. But no, I was actually just really concerned that there wasn't any adult supervision in the room. I was really concerned that the format of the swim lesson was to take three, three-year-olds out at the same time. Like there was just like little things with the actual program, with the system. And I wasn't blaming it on one specific person. Um, but anyways, so I hesitate to share that story. I'm not going to share where it was, who it was, whatever, anything like that. But when we contacted the director of the situation to say, you know, there was no adults in there. This happened to my daughter. He's like, oh, well, that happens all the time. Kids swallow water all the time. And I'm like, oh, okay, gaslight. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Anyways, <laughs> beside the point. So I was super triggered from this experience just as much as my daughter was. Like it was very traumatic for both of us because nobody wants to see their kid like struggling to breathe in swim lessons because you just paid 75 bucks to have them out there. Okay. Also beside the point. Um, so anyways, I took her out of swim lessons and, um, and then I didn't put her back in the rest of the summer. So we swam at the pool. I wanted her to be comfortable in the water and she did. She felt safe with me because I'm a trusted adult. I'm not going to drop her. If she has her puddle jumper, she doesn't feel like anyone's going to drop her. Um, but then it was, uh, almost a year later. So it's been a year since this happened, but it was like 10 months later or nine months later, I got an email that's like, okay, swim lessons are going to open up in a couple months. Here's where you can enroll your kid. And obviously, I didn't go back to the old place, but I was starting to get these emails with like adult swim teachers and um, had to make the decision. Am I going to put my child in swim? And I was, as I was looking at my options, I could enroll them. Like it was opening up in March or April to enroll them for the June or July swim lessons. And I had it on my calendar. But then I was like, you know what? I don't know if she's ready. So I asked them, hey, do you guys want to do swim lessons? And... um my son, of course, wanted to. He loves that kind of thing. And my daughter was like, no, she'll drop me. And I was like, dude, it's been 10 months. And you still remember that. I'm not talking about this daily. But traumatic experiences can create really, really scary memories for them. Because even, even if she did just swallow water, which is basically what happened, it's very scary for the adult that you're trusting to teach you how to swim doesn't even realize that you're struggling behind them trying to swim. You know what I mean? So it's really traumatic to trust an adult that's not their mom to now teach them and their mom to be sitting outside the pool. And anyway, so it, it brought up some feelings for her. 
And so I'm like, you know what I'm going to do is private lessons. So I did two on one private lessons with this cute girl and I love her so, so, so much. Um, but anyways, I mean, she doesn't know me at all. I just love her, how she works with my kids. I can trust her. But the thing is, I don't know. Is she going to drop Maylee? I don't know. So I could make all these promises like your teacher will never drop you again. Or, um, or I could just force her into a group lesson or we could avoid swim lessons altogether. But what's that going to happen if we avoid the trigger, if we avoid, because it's not the pool that's triggering her, it's swim lessons. If we avoid swim lessons, she's never going to learn how to swim because I don't know how to swim people. And I don't want that for my child because I can't even teach her myself because I am not a good swimmer at all. I'm not very comfortable in the water. I want better for my kids. Okay. If I force her into swim lessons, then she's just going to sit on the side panic mode the whole time. And she's never going to feel safe with that person. If I create a plan, like your teacher will never drop you again. You're fine. Let's just go to group lessons. Then, you know, you know what's going to happen. Her teacher might drop her. We don't know what's going to, what, maybe her teacher has a medical problem, has a seizure. I can't control external forces. And when we try to control them and then it changes, we they lose that trust in us. So what can we do? I'm going to go back to the things I talked about that are in my course. Number one is learn how the body responds to worry. So first of all, realizing, like for me, realizing, okay, this fear that she has, I can't talk her out of it because it's a body response to a stressor. She has this memory that regardless of what is true and what is not true or what the swim teacher tried to convince us happened is real for her. And I, while I don't know exactly what she's feeling, I can see because I know how the body responds to triggers. I can see that she is having a nervous system fight flight response. So she is refusing. She does not want to go to swim lessons. That's what anxiety can look like in the body. Okay. And then even, even in this private situation, she's like, no mom, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And she's nervous and you can feel her body tense up and that is the anxiety, but it's not just like the word anxiety. It's not just the emotion anxiety. The anxiety is triggering that fight or flight response. Okay. So understanding what's happening in her body can help me realize, okay, I'm not going to force her into this in a group situation. So I'm going to try private. But private's still going to be hard, so I'm going to recognize that she's in a triggered situation. And then what am I going to do? I'm not going to focus on the content. I'm going to support my child through the anxious feelings. And so I say, I know it's really scary, and I know you feel like your teacher's going to drop you, huh? And we have that conversation, and we connect the pieces of the story and say, it was really scary when you dropped, and you felt like you couldn't breathe, huh? And we talk about it, and we validate, and then we name it. It's like you're feeling worried, you're feeling worried and your body doesn't feel safe to go in. And we're starting to connect these physical sensations with the emotions. And then when we get to that point, we can start to just guide them through it, guide them through the process. Okay, it looks like you're feeling worried. And remember, when you feel worried, we can take a deep breath. Mom's going to be right here watching. I know it's really scary to go back into a hard situation when you had a teacher that you didn't feel safe with. So why don't we go talk to Clarissa and just try swim lessons today and see if you can connect with her and mom will be right here just watching and we'll just try it out and you take a step into that unknown you don't force them into it you just say okay why don't you just try it out you can just sit on this bench today while your brother does the swim lesson if you know she was resisting or like okay today you're just gonna swim for five minutes with clarissa and then um tomorrow we can try longer and you build back up that trust 
So with us, actually, Maylee did fine because I did her in a group lesson with her brother and she felt very safe with her brother. I told her straight up front, I told her teacher, she was dropped in swim lessons and her, Maylee wanted me to tell her teacher like, hey, can you tell my teacher to not drop me? And so I told her she is feeling really triggered because she was dropped at her last swim lesson. And so this is her first experience back. Um, and so she just wants to make sure that she's safe in here. And she was like, look, the water is, is you can sit on the step right here and then the water you can touch or whatever. And she reassured her and it wasn't, I, I, I don't want to like confuse you like, oh, but that is the content. Like in that situation, we weren't creating rules like, oh, I will never drop you. Uh, you can always touch the water. Um, people won't drop you again. People never drown in swim lessons, like those kind of things. It was more like be general, like, um, okay, reassure her. Okay if you're in this situation, here's how you can kind of get out of it. You know, there's like a little balance of that kind of thing where you do kind of include a little content anyways. But then the biggest thing is like, we seal that deal. We step into that unknown territory. We feel the feelings, but then we take a step towards something different, something that's uncomfortable. Today, as, as I was watching Maylee and Charlie in swim lessons, I was just beaming. I was like that mom up there. I took like 16 videos on my phone. I'm like, what am I ever going to do with these videos? I don't know. But I was so proud. She was giggling. She was so happy with her teacher. She was floating on her back. She was putting her head under the water. She didn't have a life jacket. She was in heaven. She loved it. It has been one year since the incident and she is thriving. She trusts her teacher and she's no longer anxious to go to swim lessons. And I am saying this because it was a struggle. It was very difficult. It was traumatic even 10 months later for her to even think about it and put her into fight or flight mode. But when we do these strategies, when we can see how the body's reacting to anxiety and we can we can empathize with that feeling, even if we don't understand exactly what that child's experiencing, we've felt that feeling before, then um, you, we can use these strategies to help help them get through it to to take a step towards that thing that's uncomfortable and the more steps you take into the discomfort the less or the, the less uncomfortable the more comfortable it'll be so taking one step into swim lessons four months ago was really difficult but now we're we're we've made that gap so much smaller there's not a lot of discomfort now the discomfort is in you know, normal swim lesson things that are already anxiety inducing things like, dude, I freaking hate swim lessons. They're the worst. I, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm still anxious about swim lessons. I had a really, really horrible experience with swim lessons and it was never because a teacher dropped me. It was just because I never felt comfort, comfortable or confident in the water. Um, and so looking at my daughter feels so confident and alive in the water, something that she loves. It helps regulate her body to swim. Like, I think we'll probably be lifetime holders of year round swim passes because she loves it so much. Had we just avoided swimming or avoided swim lessons or avoided, um, facing these fears or had I just forced her to finish out her lesson last year, we would not be in this situation. And if you've done any of these strategies and you feel like, oh, crap, I already ruined my child. No, 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 no. There's time. There's ways. We can gently move you back through a healthy way to deal with anxiety. And I'm not saying I'm a therapist or a doctor, but I will say that these strategies, they're evidence-based and I have seen it work in my life and so many other people's lives. Anxiety is a really present emotion and feeling and problem in my life, in my kids' lives 
in my extended family's life. So I really have come to understand anxiety through a different lens, a personal lens, a professional lens, and just like a parenting lens of my own children going through it. And so I really find this topic really, really fascinating, first of all. And I know that I'm going to have so many opportunities to use these strategies and to not fix the anxiety because the anxiety is always going to be there, right? Anxious feelings are always going to come up. But helping my child learn how to sit in the discomfort when they are anxious and for me to sit in the discomfort of my child's discomfort when they're anxious is a lifelong lesson that begins with these strategies. So check out my anxiety course. You can, again, access it all on its own. You can also access it if you're part of my monthly membership. Hey friends, have you loved listening to the Rising Lava Parenting Podcast? If you have, please leave a five-star review, comment the things that you love, what you want to hear more about, tell me how this podcast has impacted your life. Thank you so much for being here and share it with a friend. Let's change the world of parenting.